Hello, trading friends, and welcome back to the Tasty Live Network for yet another edition of In This Economy. I'm your host, Frank Caverna, guiding you on your Thursday tour of the shifting cogs in our economic machine. Those cogs are actually starting to pick up. It was a somewhat boring Wednesday uh, and a little bit of a boring Thursday morning, but uh, most major markets are picking up the action as we get into Thursday night and hopefully creating uh, an exciting end to the week. We still have Friday left and some economic numbers coming out uh, across the globe in the next 24 hours. So definitely want to stay tuned to our trading platforms and see what the story becomes. The story so far, as I jump over to our biggest movers for the day has been uh, back and forth stock market closing the day higher, uh, but a generally mixed bag across uh, the major single stocks. As you can see, a lot bigger activity. I think the, the two biggest movers that we saw in stocks yesterday were up or down like 5%, which sounds like a lot, but when you're talking about the biggest single stock movers, um, usually can find some outliers that are moving you know, 10%, 15%, uh, 20% sometimes. And today, you are getting some of those double-digit net change movers on both ends of the spectrum as Lucid, the EV car manufacturer, has lost more than 10% here today. Uh, they are uh, looking at some, some rough numbers in terms of uh, car uh, sales and uh, reservations for the future as the story continues to become Tesla regaining that market share. They've always had the overwhelming bulk of the EV car market share, but that did dip as Tesla got down to $100 a share and uh, Lucid and uh, Rivian were holding in a little bit better, uh, but now Tesla uh, definitely spanking this Lucid stock and Rivian down significantly today as well. A stock that is shining very, very bright here on Thursday afternoon is NVIDIA. They had great Great earnings are up 14%. In the commodity space, natural gas, I, this is the, I, I can't think of the last time that we saw uh, something like this. The first time that we've seen a two day rally in natural gas in a while. I know that it seems like I'm maybe getting excited about nothing in particular, but uh, this is something they put in lows in natural gas contract lows. Uh, I believe it was two days ago, and then they bounced back yesterday and then extended on those gains. I think they got down under 220, and now they're back to 250. Of course, a lot of people uh, might be saying, hey, Frank, I've been trying to catch this falling knife from $6, $7, uh, uh, all the way up there, and now you're, you're excited about 250. We'll see where we can go from here because uh, uh, finally uh, a little bit of uh, significant rally back. It used to be uh, just these one-off rallies, so two days higher natural gas definitely got me feeling a little bit more optimistic. And we're actually about to do a main, uh, a big segment here, our main segment for today on natural gas, why it is so volatile, talk about the seasonality and speak to where we might be going here in spring and summertime natural gas because... 2023's spring and summer natural gas, not looking like your father's uh, uh, spring and summertime natural gas, which is to say uh, used to be very boring in that seasonal time of the year for natural gas. And um, I mean, the options market is not projecting it to be a boring spring and summer. And last year, 
you will remember that summer in natural gas was quite volatile. So we'll break into that here in a second. Copper down 3%. That's one of the biggest movers to the downside in the commodity space here on Thursday afternoon. Forex, a mixed bag, but nothing too significant. Nothing really breaking out of a half a percentage point on either side of the bearish bullish spectrum. Yen, though, regaining just a little bit of ground against uh, the pound. It has been pound euro outperforming yen the last uh, week or so. Um, we will take a further look a little later on at uh, the Canadian dollar as uh, there are some inflation wars going on. And we will also break out some of the metal price action. Copper, obviously the big mover to the downside here today, but gold and silver, uh, not too far uh, behind in terms of negative price action. Main show for today, though, will be natural gas. Why is it so volatile? And then a little bit of a seasonal piece on top of that. And with that, we might as well get right into it, my friends. Natural gas, why so volatile? Natural gas volatility is cooling off at winter's end per usual, right? I ask that uh, uh, quite auspicious question because uh, we'll see here that the options market might not be pricing uh, a calm end to the winter and start of spring and summer. A lot of you might be asking, what the heck are you talking about? Already diving into seasonality with natural gas. You didn't even tell me why it's so volatile. Sorry to get ahead of myself. We will take apart this entire commodity landscape here, starting with the fact that natural gas is one of the most volatile um, major commodities at most traders disposal right there with crude oil and uh, sometimes gold can get quite volatile in the commodity space anybody who's traded agricultures like corn and soybeans and wheat those markets can you know gain or lose 50 percent of their value in a given year natural gas though tends to one up all of those markets as you can see here, looking at the y-axis, the last year's worth of price action in natural gas, will show you a market that has uh, almost tripled from the start of 2022 and then has lost 80% of its value from its peak. That is a market that would project to have about 100% realized volatility at various points throughout this year. Why is it so volatile? Well. Aside from natural gas being the center of a lot of supply and demand news stories, it is a singular commodity market here. You talk about the stock market uh, and the S&P 500, NASDAQ, those are, are baskets of stocks. And you, you say, well, you know, uh, the bond market when I'm trading uh, the 10-year or the 30-year uh, or the Forex market when I'm trading uh, the, the euro against the dollar or the, the pound against the dollar or the euro against the yen. Um, those are our singular markets, Frank. So, so why aren't uh, those as volatile? Well, commodity spaces tend to be a lot more volatile because they're, they're driven by just a few numbers there. I mean, in the treasury space, though the 10-year treasury note is a singular market, there are so many pieces of the economy that factor into every tick of movement in that market. In natural gas, it, it 
a lot of people like commodity spaces because it, it's a potentially simpler story. You're just putting a magnifying glass on supply and demand. You know, what are the inventories looking like and what does it look like in natural gas in particular here? You could do a similar breakdown for, um, you know, agriculture markets or crude oil energy markets, but what are the inventories of natural gas? And, you know, how much of it are we going to need to heat buildings or run electricity or do these different things that this energy goes into? Um, and though it can get complicated, of course, you can uh, uh, nuance anything to death. Um, it is relatively a simpler game than the stock market at large or the foreign exchange market at large uh, and everything that goes into the exchange rate between the US dollar and Europe. Um, so you can see here that those simple dynamics that can change quite drastically uh, can account for a very volatile market as we've seen uh, going into the start of 2022. A uh, natural gas market that is around three and a half dollars gets all the way up to uh, just barely gets up to ten dollars and then backs all the way off to two dollars and a quarter. We got to uh, earlier this week. Those were the lows here in the natural gas futures that we've been looking at for the last year and a half. Now, you got a little semblance of, okay, Frank, I, I understand why this thing is maybe more volatile than Apple stock or the S&P 500 or the 10-year treasury note, um, but you bring in this, this seasonal uh, volatility piece on top of it, why does natural gas tend to be more volatile in fall, winter, and less so in spring, summer? Well, I will hang up here the details confirming my assumption. Um, you can see that the average volatility in June is 42%. The average volatility in December is 63%. Um, quite a jump there. If you're running those monthly volatility numbers for, say, the stock market or the foreign exchange market, um, uh, any other market really that doesn't have seasonality, um, like I did here for the last decade, month-to-month -month differences are usually going to be one to five percentage points. Here, we have a 20 percentage point difference in volatility. And you can see it as well on the last uh, five or so years of price action in this natural gas market, every jump occurring right around that year tick on the x-axis, which, of course, everybody knowing how calendars work, that is when we're looking at November to February as the year turns over, you're seeing that price action really pick up to the up and downside um, here. And, and this is what seasonality looks like um, until this last year, which we'll get into in here, here in a second, because some of you might be uh, looking ahead at the price action to your rightmost uh, on your screen and saying, hey, 2022 and 2023 look a lot different than these other years. A lot of volatility happening between the year ticks uh, conveying some summer seasonality. We will get to that in a second. Um, but this is what seasonality looks like. Natural gas is usually one of the um, most uh, obedient, I guess I would say, to seasonal uh, volatility here. And it's just letting you know that in if you're trading the market itself or you're trading the options on this market, the futures or, or what have you, um, in the summertime, you might expect a smaller range to trade around or lower option premiums. And in the wintertime, 
you would expect vice versa, bigger ranges and larger premiums in the options market. But seasons seem to be changing a little bit here. Um, I know that they didn't change the calendar, not that I know of, but it seems like the seasonally volatile time for natural gas has changed in the last 12 months given the huge, huge rally and then fall and then rally and then fall uh, in prices occurring throughout this most recent summer into the fall. And if anything, we had a little bit of a quieter uh, winter than we did summer and fall. And at first I thought, you know, maybe we're just getting ahead of ourselves. Every year it seems like, um, maybe traders are just getting ahead of that seasonality. What was maybe five, 10 years ago, December, the heart of volatility in natural gas. Now, uh, a couple years ago has become November. And then last year it's October and this year it's more August and we're just getting ahead of ourselves. But after talking to uh, my mentor and good friend, Pete Molmat, who's been trading around these markets much longer than I am, I have, and is much more tapped in, he brought up the fact that natural gas is being used a lot more recently for electricity and other uses that are required mainly in, not mainly, but in the summertime and in the spring. Whereas, uh, and I guess I, I should backtrack just a, a little bit here. What was the primary use for natural gas and why did it create the seasonal trading cycle? Um, well, it was to heat homes and, and large buildings and everything else. When do we primarily need heat here in the U.S.? That is going to be throughout the winter months. And so you would see volatility really climb, implied volatility climb, option prices all climb throughout October, November, December, January, Feb, and March. In March, it would start to dip off because by March, we're through most of the winter and the forecasts are locked in. Um, they, they have a pretty good semblance of how cold it's gonna be for the rest of winter, whereas natural gas was really bouncing around in October, November, uh, and December because the forecasts are out there, but sometimes, oh, wow, it's a lot more cold than we thought. We're gonna need more natural gas. Oh, whoa, it actually came in uh, like this most recent winter, um, not as cold as expected and natural gas got absolutely annihilated. Um, but the seasonality actually starting to come out of natural gas. Um, I mean, yes, we had a volatile winter, but what I thought was really, really interesting is not only did we have a volatile summer 2022, uh, but checking the options markets. And thankfully, I um, uh, sit next to Pete Moment because he reined me in before I started looking at short uh, premium strategies in April, May, and June, because um, I saw these implied volatilities up above 100%. And I was like, man, those aren't the seasonally volatile months for natural gas. It looks like there might be some good edge in this market um, if implied volatility is so high and we usually don't see that large of price action in natural gas in those months. Um, but of course, uh, Frank isn't smarter than the market. The market is priced efficiently uh, here. I mean, we'll see if, if it ends up being a, a volatile summer for natural gas, but um, implied volatility being more than double historical volatility in these summer months might be too good to be true because this commodity has become diversified in its use cases. 
um, and now is drawing a lot of news stories. I mean, here in the end of February, you might think natural gas news stories and price action coming to an end. And I foolishly thought the same. I was like, oh, man, we got our volatility for natural gas and the sell off. Um, was quite crazy here going back to this chart um, throughout the end of 2022 and then especially January and February. And we'll probably just sit around $2 to $3 for the next several months until October inevitably ro rolls around and we get the seasonality back in this market. Options not saying that, my good friend Pete not saying that, and of course the price action from 2022 uh, spring through summer also not saying that. So this is all to say that there, it, all you natural gas heads out there, um, you have the whole year now to trade this thing where it used to be um, anybody kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel with uh, March and April contracts in natural gas were really trying to um, yeah, get, get the last bits of volatility out of this market. Looks like they're really going to hang in with that peak being in May, 158% implied volatility. Um, just to go back to those numbers that I crunched here, over the last decade, you're seeing, a real, first of all, a realized volatility in the seasonally volatile months of December and January in the 60% handle, and then... Uh, down in the 40% handle in your summer months. Um, so even in the seasonally volatile months, not getting uh, historically as volatile as 100% volatility. And you have implied volatility for March and April, north of 100%. And then of course in May, 158%. And then funny enough, starting to dip lower as we um, edge out of summer into fall uh, when you would expect it to start picking up in, say, July, August, and then really heating up in October and November. Um, so a lot of stuff still going on in this natural gas market. I know a lot of people already have positions on, um, but if you are looking at, uh, say, the 150 puts and the five calls in natural gas and saying, holy smokes, there's a lot of premium in this market for these being summertime options expirations. Uh, keep in mind that natural gas does not seem to any longer at least be just a winter trade. Getting, um, I guess, and this is uh, uh, an oxymoron, I guess, uh, uh, two seasonal periods throughout the year in natural gas, making it a well-rounded, volatile, all-the-time market, at least uh, for the last year and the foreseeable future as priced in by the options. So definitely uh, keep that one on your radar. Don't take it off just because we are exiting winter here in natural gas. All right, let's uh, get through just a couple of B stories here on Thursday afternoon. If you liked commodity stories, I'm gonna throw another one at you here as precious and industrial metals fell on waning demand here today. Pretty significant falls, um, especially in copper who has been the outperformer. Obviously not a precious metal, an industrial metal uh, there, um, but we are seeing across the metal board here rough, rough days as rising rates. Um, and, and, and keep in mind, we covered this a couple of, of weeks ago, and that, I didn't even uh, cover it too significantly. I, I more alluded to it um, that 
gold and silver historically uh, the, the easy story to tell is that if inflation rises, gold and silver rise as well as an inflationary hedge. Um, but the real correlation, at least this time around, we did see a run-up in gold as inflation started to increase about a year or so ago. Um, but the real correlation has been, because we saw a rally in gold uh, at the end of 2022, and it's like, oh man, inflation is moving lower. Why, why is gold moving higher now? The real correlation has been between um, the real that well, if inflation is projecting to be higher than interest rates are projecting, that's when gold tends to make up some ground. But as the projection for interest rates now has moved significantly higher in inflation, still a fear came in the last reading higher than expected, but still sitting around 6%, if the projections for interest rates now have jumped up to 5 and 6% and inflation is still sitting around there, then gold seeing some downside as those projections are seeing the real interest rate being back to or at least getting close to uh, net positive there. If inflation comes out next month at 7 or 8% and the interest rate projections are still at 5-ish, five 5 to 6%, then you would likely see a run-up in gold. But those rising rates definitely slowing down gold and silver prices. And then um, I think just uh, just some slightly bearish news on industry in general. I think uh, GDP came out a little bit softer and some um, might have been uh, some Chinese uh, lower than expected industry uh, type numbers there as well, looking to show some reduced demand for copper and thus, uh, yeah, three and a half percent fall today in copper prices. Last but not least, our friends to the north uh, not having a great time in terms of their Canadian dollar. Uh, very sneaky move here. Canadian dollar back below 74 cents and uh, falling worse than the other currencies. And uh, this is what really what's really nice. I, I talk about the economic organism here and the different pieces of that organism being, you know, primarily your stocks, your commodities, your interest rates, and your foreign exchange. Um, and within that foreign exchange bubble, what's really nice there is you tend to see a lot of cyclicality in terms of, oh, the yen got uh, its butt kicked pretty bad first. Oh, and then the euro got its butt kicked, and then the British pound did. Uh, and now Canada, who has been holding in the best of the major currencies uh, amid all the downside we've seen over the last year, that market is starting to uh, uh, fall back down to its lows. Like I say, below 74 cents, the lows in this market are just 72 cents. So we're pretty close there. Might be an interesting one to look at trading as a contrarian or a trend follower, whatever your fancy is. Um, definitely some interesting price action in there. And that's owing to uh, uh, rate hikes. Uh, just uh, these things are, are all part of that same organism. Like I say, um, inflation looking lower than they expected in Canada and thus requiring uh, some uh, lower interest rate projections, less hikes, weaker currency here in the Canadian dollar versus our U.S. dollar, which has again been bolstered by higher inflation, higher projections for interest rates in the future. But that'll do it for another week in this economy. As always, thanks so much for watching. Feel free to reach out. I'm Frank Caberna on Twitter 
or elsewhere. Uh, hope you have a great end to your trading week and continue to watch the Tasty Live uh, network here. I will be back on Monday. Have a great trade, everybody. Peace. The content of this podcast is created, produced, and provided solely by Tasty Life Inc. and does not represent the direct views or opinions of any of its affiliated companies. This content is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be trading or investment advice or a recommendation that any security, futures contract, digital asset, other product, transaction, or investment strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities, futures products, and digital assets involve risk and may result in a loss greater than the original amount invested. Tasty Live Inc., through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. The information provided may not be appropriate for all investors and is provided without respect to individual investor financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. Tasty Live Inc. is not a licensed financial advisor, registered investment advisor, or registered broker-dealer.